In today's episode on the Virtually Agile podcast, we hear the fascinating story of a firefighter turned agile coach. We talk about improving diversity as we learn from the co-founder of the community initiative, Agile in Color. Oh, and we play a little game of old man yells at cloud. You are back with the pods that hears from new voices and established thought leaders alike, and I appreciate you being here once more. Do the thing, folks. Don't miss out on new episodes. So follow and subscribe. And of course, enjoy. You are back on the Virtual Agile podcast with Chris Stone, the continuous improvement coach. Our guest today is a former firefighter turned team-centric leader and coach, the co-founder of Agile in Color, a fellow Chris, great name, though he goes by CP. Welcome to the show, CP. Chris, thank you for having me. And yes, Chris is probably one of the better names out of the market. So I'm glad to be called and I'm glad to share an amazing name with you, sir. And I appreciate you having me here. Of course. So let's start with your fascinating journey. I expect you're still fighting fires in your current day job, but just in a very different way that you used to. Tell us about your journey. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, so yes, I uh, fight virtual fires now. In some cases, uh, I do fight physical fires, but not at the scale that I used to before. So a little bit about myself. So I have been a professional of some kind, whether it was as a firefighter, software developer, Scrum Master, Agile Coach for the past 15 years. Specifically, currently right now, I am at the Washington Post, which is, a, if you haven't heard of this, a very cool newspaper that covers a lot of things around politics, style, and all that good jazz. Within that space, I'm actually currently switching roles. I used to be the Director of Portfolio Delivery Management, but I am moved over to Sales and Marketing. And that talent rolls a little bit up in the air because I do a little bit of everything. But my big focus right now is around new market research, to building our developer community and being able to see, hey, how can our uh, tools that we build for other publishers can expand. Before all of that, I was also in national public radio. So I think the comparison to folks who are in the UK or uh, listen around the world, so nice comparison is the BBC. So that's very similar uh, to that. And I worked in that I worked in that space for about a year as a Scrum Master and, and Scrum Master League. But my career expands back into finance, consulting, a little bit of risk management, a little bit of everything. And uh, it's been a fun journey thus far. And uh, one thing I did want to mention that you mentioned at the top, top is that, uh, yes, I am the co-founder of Agile Color, which we provide uh, coaching and upskilling opportunities for people of color within the Agile community. I know we're going to talk about that more, so I won't go too deep into it. But I do want to highlight that because that's like probably one of the best highlights of my career thus far. So, yeah. It's a little bit about me. Amazing. Well, great to hear about your, your journey there. I first heard about Agile and Color actually in Orlando, Agile 2023. That's where you and I met. I wasn't aware that that body existed at that point in time. So it's great to hear that there are people out there trying to do more to help people of color get opportunities. And yeah, we can talk about it a little bit now. So what's the mission for Agile and Color? You, you, <laughs> will, you will articulate it far better than I. Yeah. So as I mentioned um, earlier, the mission of the Agile and Color is to provide learning and coaching and upskilling opportunities for people of color uh, within the Agile community. To, uh, originally, it started with folks who were specifically within the Agile lives, but we saw that there was a broader opportunity to expand that outside of just the Agile lives because Agilist comes in all different communities, different shapes, different uh, perspectives. And we want to make sure that we provide all, um, those, uh, make sure that folks who look like me or who people who are allies um, have an opportunity to support uh, folks who are the most in need. Whether that is in coach, as I mentioned earlier, coaching or mentorship, whether that is in public speaking opportunities. Chris, you may have not mentioned, I may have not seen this, but it, at Agile 2023, 
over the summer on the Agile Essentials track. If I am not mistaken, out of the seven speakers that were there, we actually ended up placing four people who were interested in getting into public speaking and giving them opportunity in the stage and yeah. the practice and the prep to make sure that they were prepared for those talks. It's just those types of opportunities that we can provide to folks who are looking for them. Because at the end of the day, right, as we support different agilists in the community, we get multiple different perspectives, and that just makes the community that much stronger. So, yeah. It's a great uh, initiative, and I'm always happy to do what I can to support the cause. Uh, most recently, uh, you and I had a bit of a, a conversation because one of the learners of my uh, six-month training program wasn't able to make it. And they said, oh, well, I'd like to donate my seat to someone else. And I mentioned a couple of uh, causes that they could donate to, and one of them was Agile and Color. And they wanted to remain completely anonymous, or I will say it was a, a Caucasian person. They wanted to remain anonymous, and they were happy to choose uh, donating their seat to Agile and Color. And a, a prize winner, uh, Nicole, recently joined one of my cohorts as a consequence. So there are great people out there who are helping and supporting, being allies or accomplices. That was a term I learned mm -hmm. at Agile 2023. Something that's I'd like to touch upon further with you, actually, For because, sure. because the term ally, I think it's thrown around there so often. You know, a lot of companies portray to be allies and, and their mm -hmm. portrayal of their allegiance or their allianceship is often, mm -hmm. well, it's that time of the, that time of the year, you know, so we're going to put a pride flag in our logo and we're going to maybe <laughs> virtue signal by putting a few posts out there when it's that time of the year. Again, I, I mentioned it's that time of the year. Mm -hmm. If you put a few posts out there about the importance of diversity, but it's not a, a one-time thing. And being an ally, I think, is, is, or helping is more than just being an ally. So an accomplice mm -hmm. feels like a very powerful term. What's your take on being an accomplice versus being an ally? You know, this is actually really good because originally when Agile and Color started, I'll give you all some like a little bit behind the scenes, behind the curtains when we were, uh, when we were starting. It was a very similar conversation because this was back in the 20, the summer of 2020, right after the killing of George Floyd that had happened here in the U.S. And the Agile Alliance had put together a, you know, a focus on racial equity and inclusion within the, within the object community because they were trying to figure out what is, what are the things that we can do, though we cannot make change in pure Agilist form, I mean, to make massive change, but in pure Agilist form. What is the small, tiniest piece of value that we can deliver on? And so they put together this, this, this series and they had a bunch of different people who came in and spoke. One of those people were, was April Jefferson, who was a facilitator during that session. And what we realized throughout those conversations was, and just as you mentioned that a lot of organizations do sometimes the bare minimum, or as we would like to call it, performative allyship. They, they say the right things. They do the Black History Month. They, you know, they do these things. They have their pride flags up, but it's all performance a lot of time. And what we realized and through those conversations that though oh. the intentions were positive, like, hey, they thought that they were doing something. If you ever seen the people with the black square on Instagram or Facebook, though they were doing something, they weren't, wasn't making a change or wasn't making a difference. So throughout those conversations, there is the realization a lot of people understood, like, okay, what does it really mean to truly be an ally or, as you mentioned, an accomplice, right? And that is where it's not just providing, like, 
this black square Instagram or the pride pride flag on your company logo. It is the trainings. It's the uh, giving to these types of uh, either scholarship funds. It's the just providing coaching mentorship. Whatever is the thing that you can do to make a difference. Where it's the I think Alice Paula put this amazing because I had a conversation with her last week. And asked, where's where's your sweat equity at? Right, because that's that's what's going to matter in a lot of cases. You can throw money at funds, you can do all these really cool things, but where's the sweat? Where is your time, which is a lot of times most precious for you? Are you willing to give up that time in addition to giving up those money or providing those trading opportunities or providing the seat as as your as your anonymous donor did to to make a difference in somebody who doesn't have that same advantage as as you may potentially do? That is what matters. That is what being an accomplice is. And again, there's so much more, but I think the question, I think if, especially for your listeners, I think a big question is they're doing maybe a little bit of self-reflection as they're listening. And that is, what is the thing that you're doing? What is the sweat equity that you're putting in? You say you want to be down for the cause. What is that? Like, what are, what's the part that you can do? Because honestly, that probably makes a massive difference, whether that is connecting somebody on LinkedIn for a particular role that you know somebody is hiring for, or if you're a leader and you're making that decision, keeping in mind, like not just making sure we find the right person for the role, but we also find the right diverse perspective and not just bringing the same as that person. Those are the things that matter. And those are the things that are going to make a difference to make this entire system, entire world, entire community, whatever phrasing you want to use, a more equitable and a more, I feel, I feel cliche when I say this, but a more just community in, in space. So yeah. It's a really uh, important thing that I want to highlight there. And that is that it's harder. It is harder work to demonstrate or be an accomplice. It's that sweat equity. So the example that is most uh, real to me right now is that when I am trying to host a podcast or, or the meetup that I run, for me to go and find a, a diverse group of speakers is harder that is just for me to say, hey, who wants to talk? And then I get obviously lots of volunteering from, from certain demographics, certain groups. Or who do I already know? And again, I'm probably going to know more people that are of a certain ethnic background. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's just harder. You do have to put in the extra effort, mm -hmm. but it's for a great purpose. You know, because until we start to change and, and put in this equity, put in this effort, that will always remain the case. It will always be harder to provide opportunities because those people out there that are doing great work that are you know, capable and have these great perspectives on things, they just aren't getting the same opportunities that others are getting, like myself. We come from a yeah. place of privilege. And, and kind of like to add to it, and this is and this is something that when I reflect back on my own personal journey, I I would have loved to have something like this that exists such as agile and color that existed, especially early on in my career, just trying to figure out, you know, just my path and my place within the world, right? Like trying to figure out, is this the right role? Is this something that makes sense for me and what I want to do? And it's, and it's, oh, I feel like I have like myself and, and my co-founder, Andrea Robson, who's really the, the star of Agile and Color. I am just more like the, the backup singers. If if people know like Gladys Knight's and the Pips, I'm the Pip. She's Gladys Knight. I'm just there to help as much as I possibly can. But it's having that community, having something that is there and 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 
being able to do what I do and support the community and support the people who look like me is is such a an amazing thing that I try my best not to take grant of because I know that there's other folks that are out there who look like me, who are or maybe not look like me, but who are in that same position who want that support, who want the help. And and I'm just happy to be able to do this, be able to have something that, you know, I'm very passionate about be able to, to get done. So, yeah. If I may, I'm gonna share another example from my own backgrounds. And that was I was approached to be a keynote speaker not too long ago. And I asked, I was, you know, I was excited. It was going to be the first time I'd done a keynote talk anywhere. Right? Mm-hmm. I thought, oh, this is great. You know, I'm, it's a buzz of energy. Cool. This is, this is great. This is exactly what I've been aiming for. And then I asked them to tell me more about it and who else they had lined up. And they basically listed three males. And that made me feel, it kind of, that, that excitement sank. And my honest response was, I wouldn't feel comfortable being another male speaker is there not another person who is you know, more deserving of that opportunity not, not more, more deserving but that would represent be more representative and that meant putting myself out of an opportunity that i was excited about but it was for the right reason now it's not specific to a person of color in that situation but it is awareness of my position of privilege and doing what i can to try and improve upon it. Not that I'm trying to you know, celebrate myself or, or get plaudits for it. I'm just saying that to bring about change, you have to put in the effort. And sometimes that can come at an inconvenience to yourself. Yeah. And, and that's tough, right? Because that's a little bit of a kind of like a little bit of self-reflection of, hey, it's the right time. It's the right opportunity. It's the right, like, just, it's like oh, everything is coming together right like and you get to this peak and you're right there and all you need to do is just touch that and grab that flag and say i made it to the top and then you see somebody else that is either looking to break out looking to break in that's looking to to make it to that that stage to where you've been and you looking back and say you know what Right now is not my time. Let me help this person who's trying to get <clears throat> to the top because my opportunity will come, right? There's a reason why they reached out to you directly and said, hey, we would love for you to be a, a keynote speaker. Those opportunities will come. It won't be the first and it will not be the last time, right? But for somebody who's looking to get to that point, who's tried and attempted and did everything, and for you to say, hey, I have you, I'm here to help. If you want this slot, this is yours. And then promoting them for that, that in turn, at least how I look at it, it's like, it's that they're paying it for because when you do that for them, they're going to do that for somebody else. At least in my heart to hearts, they're going to do that for somebody else. Right. And you put good out there in the world. And people are going to reciprocate. It's going to continue to come around. And then when your opportunity comes again, take it. Take advantage of it. Because guess what? Somebody saw something in you and said, like, hey, I want to hear Chris speak and 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 to share his thoughts and share his feedback. If it's okay, I actually would like to share another story about being the person who got that leg up, actually. So 
this is, this is a really great story and y'all y'all will love this so lisa atkins randomly shot me a message on linkedin my first inclination when i saw that message like somebody hacked lisa's account because <laughs> <laughs> i'm sitting there there's a i'm sitting there thinking to myself there is no reason why lisa atkins has any reason this little random kid who he she met in in oh god in agile 2020 and in a audacious salon audacious salon in dc there's no reason for her to reach out to me clearly somebody is as a as has hacked her account but lo and behold it was her she had this really nice message and she was like hey i would love for you to be to, to help me do a keynote with four other speakers i think it was like sally elena and like lisa and a couple of other folks and say like hey we're gonna do this a keynote at the a20 conference which was virtual because everything at that time especially in 2020 was still virtual and that was the 20th anniversary of of the Agile manifesto it was a big celebration and it was a, a topic on like, what are all the positives and what, what are all the, the wins and the highlights? And to be on the same platform with Lisa Atkins, because that was actually the keynote for that session, uh, for, the, for the conference. And I was like, I just looked back on her like, yo, there is no way I'm on the same stage with all of these other amazing people doing a keynote with Lisa Atkins. Never in a million years what this would have happened. But her, she, she mentioned to me the reason why I looked at you is that from that conference, from that conversation from the audition salon in, 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 in summer of 2020, it was summer of 2019. It's just that you have the skills, the gift, you are knowledgeable, and we need more people who look like you. This is the reason why I'm doing this. And for me at that point, it, it, it like, it showed and it, and it clicked for me that I need to continue to put yeah, put this same good out in the world and do something. I probably won't be able to do it at the scale at least Atkins can do, right? But I can at least do my little part to be able to, you know, provide those same opportunities uh, for folks um, as she did for me. So, like, that's, again, that, that, that's the same exact scenario of, like, hey, she, she saw something. She had an opportunity to take that stage just by herself. But she saw it not just with me, but like with four other people and and provide those opportunities opportunities for folks. So I need Lisa, if you listen, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I can't. There's not enough thanks in the world. But seriously, thank you a lot. I really appreciate it. What an amazing story. And another reason that we all love Lisa Radkins. I, I doubt she's listening, but she has been a previous guest on the show. She was actually the first person that I had on the, the podcast. And a bit like you, at, at that point in time, I had no business having a, a Lisa Adkins on my podcast, but she was very open to it. And we had a great conversation. We wore silly hats and talked about retrospectives. And... <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's shift things up a little bit. I know you and I are both at least fans of the Simpsons classic, Abe Simpson meme format, old man yells at cloud. So yeah. it's kind of a little bit of a, a time for a rant. What's okay. grinding your gears in the Agile system? <laughs> what, what do you feel about what do you feel like ranting about? Oh God, there's oh, there's so many things, Chris. There's so many things, but my okay. So some context is important. So I'm a millennial, and as a millennial, we we grew up in the age of computers, social media, all these things that were that were that were trending and that were happening. And it's very often that you see the Instagram, TikTok career coaches, 
And then if you get into an even more niche subject, right, there's the Instagram and TikTok, either as the coaches, scrum masters, the people who are like, do this, do this certification. You can make $100,000. And, and $100,000 US, right? Like, again, and it's, and it's, not a, it's not a small stick to shake at. Like, that's like, you know, a significant chunk and change. So if somebody's telling you, hey, I take this two-day two CSM, I do my test on PS, PSM, whatever the situation is, and I'm making $100,000, boom shakalaka, as some people would say, like, absolutely, I'm going to go do that, right? However, what they don't realize and what they don't say is that it takes time to get well-versed and get good at this job. I personally don't even think I'm good at this job, and I've been doing it for almost 14 years now. I don't think I'm good at this job. I think I know enough to be dangerous, but I don't think I'm like, again, like you'll even, I'm not a Lisa Atkins. I'm not a Trish Proctor. I'm not a Diane Larson. I'm not a, you know, I'm not any of these people, right? I just know enough just to be dangerous. I don't have any books. I don't have any of that stuff. People don't want to come to listen to me. Like, I'm just, just saying. But you have these people and they go in, they go to these teams, they go to these organizations and they come in and they, and because you want to know why? Because I've done it. I've done it my very, very first Scrum Master job. I did it. And when they come in, they don't have the soft skills. Nobody's trained them. Nobody's coached them. Not saying that they can't do it, but they come in with just the, oh, do the Scrum Master, the Corona Master thing. We're going to do our daily stand-ups. There's only two-week intervals, and everything is going to be fine. And that's going to be perfect. And I'm going to take my check. I'm going to cash it. I'm going to go to Barbados in the summer. That's not how it works. It's not how it works. (laughs) Like it takes, it takes a passion to, to, to do this job is a thankless job. Nobody's going to say thank you for making sure that we put our sprint goals in and we focus on those things. Nobody's going to say thank you for removing the impediment. Nobody's going to say thank you for the advice or the insight or the one-on-one coaching session, whatever. Nobody's going to say thank you. You have to be okay with that. If you see it just as a paycheck. Yeah, that's cool. That's great. I mean, it works. I mean, it fits the chips. But the thing about this is that our role, especially when it comes to with the corporations, is one of the first roles to get expended. Look at Capital One, for example. They got rid of their entire agile coaching like job family. That's 1,100 people. And if you ever go on blind on the Capital One blind site, it is people who are saying like, my agile delivery did nothing. Thank God they're gone. And it's, and I'm not saying it's probably those people. It's probably just somebody who, but I do will say that somebody who was just in that job to collect the paycheck, who, you know, it, it didn't really, not saying they didn't do anything, but uh, it, it's, it's tough when you see some of that stuff because that's a reflection on the broader team. And it, and it just, it stinks. That's one thing. That's but I'll one pause thing. there because so, I, I can keep going. I'm sure you can. I, there's topics that I could rant about for, for ages as well, but. You've, you've highlighted there the, I guess, the misalignment of expectations that a scrum master is a, an empty rebel role and you can land after just doing a couple of days of training into this highly paying role and you'll be good at it. Well, not even just good at it, but you can get the job. And I guess it's, it's partly human nature. Right? We want things quick. We want things easy. Like doing, that, doing the hard work to get the experience first can be, can, can be hard. And yeah, an opportunity has to be there first. I often find people get into a scrum master role because they were perhaps 
an existing role somewhere else at a company and they were, you know, they decided to go agile. So we need scrum masters and hey, you might make a good scrum master. That's one entry point. You've got, perhaps you were in uh, consulting and you were a project manager and then, you know, people needed more agile. So they started doing agile certifications and otherwise and started delivering projects in agile and, and therefore that results in a, a pathway there. And I guess then the third one is the one you're talking about here. You start with a certification first and then you're basically hoping for the opportunity that someone's going to gamble on you, despite your lack of experience, to do that role. It tends to be easier if that person has done a number of other roles first with skills that are transferable. So if they're great people, peop uh, people, people, like a geese goose, if they are great at working with people, the softer side, they might make a great scrum master. It's a difficult one, isn't it? Especially when we were coming back to earlier about the opportunities. You know, so if you want to give people opportunities and they don't have the, the skills and experience, then how do they get that opportunity to begin with? They need the skills and experience. It's like when that you, you see job adverts out there that say, hey, this is entry level and yet three years of experience, please. It's like, what? That doesn't make sense. Entry level yet needs experience, huh? So it's a difficult one. I'm not sure what the, the solution is to it, but definitely the, the kind of influencer side of you will get this if you do this needs to, it's, I don't, not maybe, maybe not need to change, but we need to try and ensure that people's expectations are managed accordingly. Yeah, that, that's, that, that, that's, that's extremely true, right? Because like the other three examples that you, that you did, I think I was uh, number two where, hey, we're doing this agile transformation thing. You're risk manager, process manager, you do Lean Six Sigma. So that all kind of like just fits together, right? So yeah, just do the, just do the agile thing. And I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? Then fell, and then immediately fell in love with it, right? So like, it's funny how that works out. And then I, then I left and then somebody took a chance on me as a newer scrum master to come in and, and do this job. But to, to, to the example that you said, especially on the number three, it's hard, man, because you see these same exact stories. People take the class, they pay a lot of money, they expect to, as I would, I would expect a return on my investment. If I, even if it's four ninety five, even if the course is at cost at 200 bucks, I think it's the scrum lines to get people um, through the thing. Even if it's at cost, I expect some sort of return. And when they don't see it, it's tough, right? And it's, and I, and I, and I, I feel, I feel bad because like, I don't want to like set people up for failure, but it's more of like, Hey, it's possible. It's going to be tough and you have to not get deterred. And I think that is piece that I think that people struggle with because they say it looks really great, really simple on LinkedIn for this person's this post and that if they posted like this scrum master job and safe pays $140,000 of the builder rates, $95 to $125 an hour. Oh man, that is perfect. Just apply, just take my class and apply. Not telling the full story. And yeah, it's, I don't know, it's, a, it's a struggle, but like, I don't know. I, don't, I wish I had a solution to that. I really wish I did. I think it's a little bit of, I mean, if anything, of course, with all things, just be a responsible you know, person and do your research. And also just note, like, this is probably a thing for my trainers is that, oh, no, I'm sorry, not my trainers. So no, but all trainers that I know are really, really awesome. Um, I think it's for the the, 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 the the career coaches on TikTok and Instagram. Please stop. Just please just, just stop, please. So, yeah.
And I think it, it can lead to some of the, the scenarios you described there, the companies making mass layoffs of certain agile roles, because they, they've seen a lot of situations where someone's gone out and got a, a, a two-day course and they've got a shiny badge for their, their LinkedIn. And that doesn't demonstrate their competence to be able to perform the role. It doesn't demonstrate that they are confident in performing the role. It doesn't demonstrate their capability in that role. It demonstrates that they attended a two-day class. Maybe they did some you know, group exercises, perhaps an exam at the end. And it's the beginning of their journey, not the end. Now, one of the things that I'm really liking seeing is more and more training bodies and trainers embracing a more longitudinal learning approach. Uh, I, I mentioned earlier the Agile Mastery Institute and the, the six-month training programs we do. The aim therein is for people to pick up new skills, apply those new skills in their, in their work, in their, in their opportunities that they have to do so. But then that new skill is reinforced in a feedback loop with the rest of their group and their trainer because it's over several months. So they get to try something, see how it worked. Maybe it failed. Okay, this is how we could do it differently next time. And all of those things, because it's longitudinal, because it's over time, because it's in their context, will result in someone becoming better equipped to perform in that role. And I'm very heartened to see not only the Agile Master Institute, but other training bodies embracing this training approach. I know I see Agile does it for their enterprise coaches. I know other, uh, other groups like uh, Scrum Org are looking into how they deliver training over longer periods of time. And it's great to see that. And I think that maybe is one solution that we can move towards where we value that type of learning more than the two-day alone training. Yeah. To your point that you made earlier, when, it, when you have like those feedback loops and you have those opportunities, like where it's not just the feedback loop over those two days or over, you know, because some courses, especially with IC Agile, where some of the courses are like four days, depending on how the instructor breaks it up. You could, you could, you know, have a lot of those opportunities for those, those feedback loops. But I think um, more often than not, I think this is something with the, the larger certifying body, or as some people like to call it, the agile industrial complex, <laughs> uh, taking a look back and say, okay, are we providing our folks the, the, the best, are we setting them up for success post cloud, right? What you're doing, because I, I just keep giving, I'll give a shout out to IC Agile because I'm an accreditor for IC Agile. So I get to see a lot of the courses that those folks, folks put together and get like, you know, the stamp of approval and to see how they went through and thought about how they built the course, the, the, the materials, the learning objectives, making sure all those things are hit and is how the course is built just overall. Because yes, yeah, so you can put together a PowerPoint deck that hits a bunch of learning objectives. Great. But are the people actually learning something from that? Those, those types of approaches, I think, will make the difference, especially if, if the Agile community wants to continue to get better and thrive, right? We have to do these things. We have to give folks the opportunities to, to, to learn and versus being like me. And unfortunately, my first Scrum, my very first job where I was like, had the title of Scrum Master in Workday. I unceremoniously got kicked off of my team as a scrum master because they didn't think they more. I don't want anybody else to go through that scenario, but that was a learning lesson for me to go through that. But we can set people up for success so they don't have to have that very awkward conversation as they get booted out of the Slack channel. You know what? <laughs> Even better. So, yeah. 
Anything else that grinds your gears at the moment, or I can share one of mine. How about you go? Because oh, I'll continue to rant. Because that's right. me. My my mini rant is the the dogma you see in the agile community. It fascinates me that the whole agile community is often based upon the premise that we are continuously uncovering better ways of doing things, and yet often a lot of what we see is you aren't agile if you do this, or hey this this approach sucks. Safe is a real common example. This approach sucks. Don't do safe. If you don't do, if you're doing safe, you aren't agile. But by the way, here's how you can do agile and buy my course or buy my training thing. Right? We tend to take this approach where we have to break someone else down to build ourselves up, as opposed to choosing to build others up and say, "Hey, I've got a different take on this. Have you considered trying it this way?" And that that is my own stance. So I love to just. Begin with a position of curiosity, focusing on building others up rather than breaking them down, and focusing on applying the way of working that fits the context, not just this arbitrary, you aren't doing this and therefore you aren't agile enough. What's your take? Oh, that's actually a really good one because a little bit of self-reflection as one as a coach does, I feel that if you asked me that same exact question about four years ago, right before, right before COVID, I think I would be in that camp of, well, you're not doing these things. Like that's what agility is about. The, you know, the four values and 12 principles, these are the things that are important. And yes, that is, that is key and it's paramount. And they're like the guiding principles, right? Absolutely. And I, and I am not, I am not knocking not knocking that but what i've learned now is as our world changed in 2020 we had to change also and i have gone into coaching conversations team meetings conversations with my directs and i i tell them often it's not about how you do it. Yes, that the how is important. It's about the value that is being delivered and brought. And it's, and it's, and it's, and it's comes to fruition, right? Long as, especially when you think about agility, right? If it's small, sizable choice that you can, you adjust, iterate on, and it's valuable for, it could potentially, let me clarify, it could potentially be valuable for your end user, whoever that end user could be, it could be internal, it could be external, heck, it could be for your own individual team. That's what matters. Everything else, sure, adjust it, you know, whatever. I mean, like, long as folks are delivering value, there's trust that exists, folks are open and respect each other. And you can see them going down the scrum, the scrum values too. But like, my thing is, is that, those things are important. Everything else is just noise. Not saying noise is a bad thing, but it's 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 that's what matters. But I think talk to me like in 2019, I think it'd be a different different stance. But <laughs> my buddy, hello, hello, or not, because I keep pulling stories from everybody else. My buddy Chris Lee, God, I love that guy to death. So another awesome. another Chris, by the way. Yeah, no, awesome. and again, obviously, you know, great Chris is just there's a trend. But Chris Lee, 
loves when we go to conferences, especially always at Agile, uh, Agile 20X conference, right? It's always, you see the people who try to slam dunk, in his words, on others, right? And try to say like, you know, I forget, like the quote unquote, he doesn't say this, this is my interpretation. I forgot more about Agile than you have ever learned or whatever. I'm like, that doesn't even remotely matter. We're all here as practitioners and fans of this methodology and approach. Can we just be that and be okay? And it's, and it's so, it's so funny because I, I, I love Diana Larson. And she is just such an amazing person. And she's like the epitome of what I want to be. She's just a very chill, water rolls off of her back, whatever. She's just like fine. Like people know who she is in the community. She doesn't have an ego. And she's always willing to support and help people no matter what level that they're at. And she is like the person who you want to really just like, Okay, cool. That's what you think. Fantastic. If you don't think safe is agile, I, I, cool. Whatever. What what works best for you? And her natural curiosity about things, and just how she approaches it, is just something that I just I strive to be. And it's 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 just so awesome just hearing her speak and being in her presence is so 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 fantastic. Even though I always get her confused with Esther Derby. And I've done this like three times now. And I go in there with such confidence to say, oh, my God, Esther, it's so great to see you again. Knowing that it's terrible. <laughs> and she just like, hey, CP, by the way, it's, 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 it's doing it again. <laughs> it's, it's Diana. But she, God, her reaction, just her willingness to just be just, uh, just an amazing, her willingness just to listen, be open in her presence, her her just core is just somebody who's just so amazing. But yeah. I agree. Karaoke. Me and me and Diana have done that on a bunch of times together now. We sung the time warp in Finland and what yeah, oh, 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 uh, you did yeah. karaoke. Oh, basically I'm always joking. I'm always joking with Diana. Every time I see her, I'm like, stop stalking me. I've seen you four times this year. We're always at the same conferences and we always end up like singing karaoke and things together. And I love what you're highlighting about her, this curiosity approach, starting with curiosity rather than any sort of judgment or otherwise. That could be one way of addressing the dogma rather than, you know, rather than try to slam dunk on people or break them down. Starting with curiosity. You've said something I disagree with. Okay, I wonder why that is. Maybe they've got a perspective that you hadn't considered that could open your mind to something else. And maybe you may think differently as a consequence. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Right. CP, we're at the ends. Where can our listeners learn more about you, Agile in Color, and potentially any upcoming events that you've got? Okay, cool. All right, let me see if I can run through these because y'all have heard me talk probably way too long already. Let's do this. So you can find me on LinkedIn, CP Richardson. I am the person who wears hats, as you can tell. Y'all ever see me in person, I typically always wear hats and colorful glasses. So that is who I am. You can also find me on Twitter that I don't use. I'm a CP Richardson Instagram that I only post CrossFit pictures on because you know, I'm a CrossFitter, go here. But yeah, you can find me out there. More importantly, though, go check out Agile in Color. You can search Agile in Color, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, any of the social medias. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to all of those things and also subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you want to get involved, go to agileincolor.org. 
there is a link for you to request to volunteer and wait for it. There's more. If you want to get support from Agile and Color, go right to agileandcolor.org. Press the button that says request support. Let us know what you're looking for, and we will connect you with somebody to get you squared away. So, yeah. Awesome. Thanks for sharing. I will include those links, folks, in our show notes so they're easily accessible. Right. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you for joining us, for sharing your insights, for ranting with me a little bit. It's a bit cathartic sometimes to do so. If you found this episode valuable, pay the tax, share it with someone else. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and all that rubbish to hear the latest episodes as they land. It really is the best way to, to keep abreast of what's going on with us. And don't stop believing. Till next time. You've just listened to another episode of the Virtually Agile podcast. Don't forget to check out www.thevirtualagilecoach.co.uk for one of the largest collections of free templates on the web on all things agile. If this show provided value, I'd love your support by following or subscribing on your platform of choice. See you folks next time.